Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, everyone. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited, Jenny. I'm just so excited. Welcome to this blessed space. All I wanted was to be able to speak with Amber Benson in this, the week of seeing red. It's all I wanted. It's all I wanted. Oh, and wish granted. My wish, my wish was granted. Um, th- thank you so fucking much to the universe. Uh and Amber Benson and all those who helped. And possibly a vengeance demon somewhere working silently in the background answering Kristen's wishes. Oh, like a really good, like a little cheerful vengeance demon. I'm, yeah. I probably wouldn't yeah. be called vengeance then. But anyway, yeah, we're here with Amber Benson, the one and only. And we're going to mm-hmm. not talk too much up at the top here because we know that you will, as much as you love us. We, you're like, shut up. You're like. Give us Amber. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'd like to hear Amber. So, um. Just a quick note, this is one of our four episodes this week. Yesterday, you got Jenny and I in the main feed talking about the episode Seeing Red. You also got an additional episode from me and Jess Clark and Alba uh, talking about the bathroom scene in Seeing Red. Today, you're getting two more episodes, one in the main feed, that's this one, us talking to Amber Benson. And in the show notes, you will see a link to a very special episode that I put together talking about the bury your gaze trope, talking about also the importance of Willow and Tara. I'm speaking with Jen Malkowski, who you know, yes, just absolutely one of our best best pod friends. I mean, truly, I am just obsessed with Jen Malkowski uh, and all that they have to say. And I'm also in conversation with our listener, Emma, who wrote to us, about the fact that she was on the uh, kitten board, which was the Willow and Tara Buffy board of the day. Emma met her wife there, has an 11-year-old son. So there's just like a lot of queer history, joy, and also respect happening in that conversation. Link in the show notes. That episode will also re-air at the end of the season in the main feed. So um, I told you I wasn't going to talk too much, but there I went. Uh, you're doing great. You're doing so great. Thank you. Uh, let me just chime in here and warn everyone, wave a big flag. This conversation will include spoilers. Spoilers for the entire series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Beware, all ye who enter here. Your ears are not safe if you have not seen the entire series. If you haven't, come back at come the back. end of the pod mm-hmm. and... Then check this out. Yeah, it'll still be here for you. That's how that's how time space continuums work with podcasts. They exist <laughs> forever. Good, good job. You can see my giant saucer eyeballs looking at Jenny. Like you're right. I don't understand time space continuums. Gotta go. No, no, no. Um. So yeah, let's let's get into this shit. It's great. Also, just for the record, want to let everyone know that I am wearing one of our new denim dad hats that we have in the store yep and i don't i don't mean to put words in your mouth jenny but i think that it looks fantastic on my head what do you think i just said it looks cool 
Oh, I was talking cool. over you when you said I looked cool. So it, classic, classic, <laughs> uh, Kristen. A, t- a tiny reminder. I didn't hear your compliment because I was talking. <laughs> because I was complimenting myself too loudly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So just a, a tiny little reminder to all of you that we have some really incredible new merch in the store. Pay Buffy Summers shirts. We've got. Scoobies forever patches and pins. We have uh, probably the world's best hoodie designed by Isabella Rotman. Time mm-hmm, is what mm-hmm, turns mm-hmm. kittens into cats. You can find all of that on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Uh, you've got a lot of things on that website. So, like, go head over there. Oh, yeah. Check it out. But for now, yeah. don't check it out right now. Keep Listen listening. Listen to this friggin' episode. Here comes Amber Benson. Ah! Jenny. Kristen, I can't. I simply can't. <laughs> uh, what a time to be alive. I truly, I mean, I've already off air expressed this like twice. So this is third time's the charm. But Amber Benson, holy crap. Thank you so much for being here with us. We cannot tell you what it means. Oh, it is my pleasure. You guys are doing good things. And I wanted to come and hang out with you. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yes. Did you hear that? Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I know that our listenership, uh, knows this cause I'm talking about them, but, uh, in a, in a very tricky part of a very tricky season, uh, this very queer listenership is just, just beside themselves, um, getting to hear from you and getting to have like the, the joy and happiness that is like just listening to your experiences on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have meant so much to Aww. so many and I know I know you know that from like your experience interacting with fans and stuff but uh the the character of Tara has just been so impactful over over time I was just the lucky person that got to walk in her shoes I mean I you look back on, on life and there are always going to be good things and bad things about an experience but Tara being her there was nothing bad about that it was an amazing experience she was so wonderful and kind and, and, and empathetic. And, and like, even like when, when Tony, you know, left, it was like, she stepped in to be sort of that moral center for the group again, which, you know, I just was so, so honored that I got to play her and, and be her for a little while. You know, I miss her. I miss her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, like we've so noticed that in season six, like with, uh, you know, with Giles being gone. I mean, I didn't, I don't know that I even, Oh my gosh, I called him Tony. I meant Giles. I said Tony. (laughs) But Tony Tony Giles Giles were both, yeah. Tony Giles. (laughs) Tony Giles. But you, you know, Tara's character is just like caught every time we're like, guys, could you please talk to each other? Guys, could you please? It's like Tara is always like, hey, do you want to have a conversation? They're so dysfunctional when it comes to like sharing their feelings. And Tara's like, no, no, no. Like, we actually have to have a conversation because you're like off in this world and you're actually thinking the same things, but you're in two different spaces. and You don't understand that you guys are on the same page. Yes. So mature. <laughs> so grounded. <laughs> wish I was like that in my real life. Yeah. Um. 
I feel like as we are, what, two thirds of the way through season six or, or coming up on on the end of it, um, Tara does have this moral center, which is like kind of really exciting because the maybe only other person as emotionally intelligent, I think, on the show is Spike, who is, you know, spiraling into the abyss. He's always ready to tell people what they can't see, but he has, you know, no real moral compass. So it's kind of awesome (laughs) as we're like peaking in season six right now to see sort of like the two poles of the same kind of idea of emotional intelligence, which is so rare in the show. Everyone's just like, you know, trapped in their own bubbles. <laughs> That's really interesting. No, I, I know that like the Tara Spike moments were always really fun for James and, and myself. Those like, wait, you got a cramp in your pants? Like, I'll never yes. forget. like you know, like what's happening? Um, but you're, I never thought of it in terms of, of Spike. Spike sees things in sort of an objective way, you know, but he sees <laughs> them like realistically and calls it out, but he doesn't really tell you yay or nay about it. He just says it. And Tara, yeah, he can't tell you whether it's right or wrong. Yeah, yeah. And Tara's like trying to like hold that ethical moral center, and uh, but not wanting to like sort of put her feelings onto people. So I think you're right; they're coming from two completely opposite directions to the same spot of like being mindful of what is actually happening objectively in a situation, mm-hmm. which I wish I could do also myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's amazing what, what you can do with a script, you know. <laughs> given so the... true, so true, and good ones. Um, I I I will say too. So normally we bring in some listener questions, and I think that like in putting together this conversation, there's more listener questions than we normally have, just because Great. there's so many, so many. And I'm I don't know that everybody that asked a question is queer, but I just know that everyone is very pumped. Um, mm-hmm. So to this, like to what we're talking about, um, we had a listener, Suzanne, who wrote in and, and said, we see so much strength and independence coming from from Tara, especially in season six. She's one of the main pillars of composure in a season full of people coming <laughs> apart at the seams. <laughs> um, we get to see her blossoming friendship with Buffy, and she's pretty much the only one in Sunnydale practicing healthy boundary habits. <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd love to hear how that evolution came about for you, uh, Amber, and what it was like to create the arc of Tara growing on her own, especially because now I'm ad-libbing, but we, you know, when we meet Tara, she is not in a place where she's like, Hey, I know, uh, you know what you need and what I need. (laughs) No, it was, it was interesting. Um, I, you know, everyone has probably heard me talk about the genesis of like of the character and how I ended up being her, but, uh, suffice it to say, I was only supposed to do a couple of episodes and it kind of snowballed into, to being on the show quite regularly. Um, and I think when I first, you know, sort of playing, so I, I'm an intuitive actor. Um, I always thought it was really interesting to hear like Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward talk about their their processes. And, I, and I'm like, oh, they're, they're the, the flip of the same thing. Like he was very like research oriented and everything was sort of like dialed in and hyper-focused. And he just did all this research to create this character. And she, when would talk, they would talk about it, she, she was an intuitive actor, just whatever she felt intuitively was what would come out. And I've always sort of been in that like intuitive space. And so with Tara intuitively, she was really like closed up and to the, to the point where physically she was like hunched and like inward and shy and couldn't. And by the end of it, 
she had sort of found her way and like she stood up straighter she was more open she could like have a conversation with someone she didn't know um but i think the sort of arc of it was that that family moment mm-hmm. when a group of people stood up for her and said we want you and you're worthy and when when somebody outside of you gives you that that moment and and allows you to sort of accept for yourself that you you matter you know they they give you the the um the permission to be yeah you're you're right i do matter i'm important we we so beat that out of ourselves we're so mean to ourselves and sometimes you need somebody outside of you to go stop being mean you belong you're, mm-hmm. you're there's a place for you um i really think after that like she changed it just was a visceral like intuitive change but mm-hmm. that was the that was the sort of crux of her becoming the sort of Tara that you see in season six, where she is comfortable speaking her mind. She is, you know, um, interested in helping other people and not judging herself all the time and allowing herself to just be a participant in in the Scooby gang process. Yeah. It's so powerful to think about that. I mean, you know, family is an incredible episode. Um, We had a couple people tell us that they still can't trust Amy Adams after (laughs) who is the nicest person we had such a lovely time like we had like she was the nicest she was so kind we had all these scenes together we like we rode to to a location together in like one of the crew trucks like just gossiping and chatting and like she's so kind and nice and so talented oh my gosh well Um, maybe that maybe that will help people you know like stop stop thinking about cousin beth i think that was her name yeah um it's just really powerful to think about it in the context of you know, what we were just saying, which is that in season six, Tara is really giving the Scoobies so much of what they need, like so much. Buffy, I mean, far and above. Uh, Their so relationship deeply. is so sweet. I really, I really enjoyed those scenes with Sarah. Sarah's wonderful and getting to work with her and, and these kind of like just two, two hand, you know, like two handers where we're just being emotional together was really, really nice. Jenny, I know you. Your eyes are real big because you wanted to talk about the body. Do you want to jump? I mean, we don't have to. So we're not going to make you. It's wonderful. That's one of my favorite episodes. So I got excited. Yeah, we've been talking a lot lately uh, about how much we love to see Tara and Buffy together because even though Tara is now sort of like fully synthesized into the group, she has this objectivity that nobody else can really access. And so when we get to see her in friendship with Buffy in this in these moments where Buffy's like confiding to her about that she's sleeping with Spike, like she, she can tell Tara things that she can't bring herself to tell uh, Willow or Xander, yeah. right? And and like that's woo so heavy. Like that's some of my favorite Tara stuff. And then your performance in the body, like in particular in the hospital waiting area where you're in, you know, Tara's in conversation with Buffy. I mean, it's just like one of the, to me, that's like one of the most standout, powerful performances in an episode that's just completely full of standout, powerful Across the board, like everybody brought it for that episode. Everybody, like watching Emma do that. I mean, honestly. Wonderful. She's brilliant. The body, I think, is my and Kristen's individual favorite episode of of the whole series and like if if there's anything 
that sticks in in your mind that you know comes back to you as we're talking about this like we'd love to hear anything about making that episode oh i mean i it's up there for me like that the body and the musical are my two favorites there's just like and they're they're like and hush is up there also but it's so like it's so unique and all three of those like they're just really special uh to me the body is the most emotional episode of the whole show i mean it is so powerful and so upsetting and then you also have that kiss moment which you know like we had been I've talked about this before but you know we had basically been censored by you know standards and practices they were like we don't want them to to be intimate in that way you know they they have a lot of pushback and Joss and the writers and and I mean everybody was like no this is important this needs to be address we've got to make this happen and so when we did the uh, the kiss finally um he's like go for it so we had like a really because he was like if i can give them this over the top kiss we can they'll, they won't say get rid of it they'll say cut it down cut it you know like and we'll end up with the with a kiss that's perfect mm-hmm. because it'll it won't just be like if we do a little bit they'll be like get rid of it but if we go all the way we'll oh, wow. compromise right so i mean literally there's like spittle and like the whole it's like the whole enchilada right there um um, and it was just to sort of like push them to like show the 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 physical or the physicality of that relationship which was really like annoying to everybody because you're like wait so Buffy and Spike can do it on a head like a like a sepulcher you know like but we can't we can't touch. I, I don't, and Alice and I were both very upset about it. We were mm-hmm. like, this is not cool. This is not fair, not right. And one of, uh, I've talked about this before, but one of the crew who uh, was queer took us aside and he's like, look, yeah, it sucks. But the most important thing, the thing that we, we, we hold on to with this relationship is that it's two people who fell in love, who both happen to be the same, the same gender. And you go into people's houses every week. And they see you guys and they see this relationship and you normalize it. You make it okay. Because he's like, there are people, well, maybe he didn't say it, but I say this. There are people who have never experienced mm-hmm. queer people. They don't mm-hmm. understand. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And if you don't know it, how can you be like, oh, this is, this is bad or good? You don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? And so people just, I think, oftentimes just jump to the bad because that's easier than the good. And when you walk into someone's house every week on their TV, I guess you don't walk in, you're beamed in. Um, <laughs> and they see the beauty of this relationship and they see how great it is. They're like, oh, we like lesbians. These lesbians are awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you normalize it, you make it okay because it is okay. It should be okay. And and it's getting better. It's not there yet, but it's, it's getting better. It's a very slow, annoyingly slow process. But Buffy participated in that process of normalizing and making, making, just finding somebody to love it doesn't matter like love is love right you're trans if you're queer if you're sit you know it doesn't like finding somebody is is that's Mm -hmm. doesn't matter yeah and that like to that kiss specifically it's like we talked a lot about um that moment in in our episodic conversation of the body because there's something so and I'm I know I'm sure it was done intentionally but the fact that it is a kiss of love like that yeah. it's in it's like they both have they're both suffering and they're coming together there's you know and we get plenty you know we get other like sexy specifically sexy yeah. stuff later yeah. but I think that like seeing their first kiss so grounded in partnership with each other was yes. just ground I mean there was not anything like that no 
you know, and that is a testament to, to Joss Whedon. It was him and then it was everybody else, all of us coming together to make this show and to have those moments and to, you know, from, from, from the person who is painting the scenery, who is putting the posters on the wall, who is costuming, who's performing, who's right, like all of it came together to make these moments that are mm. so important um, that we're not just we weren't just making television. We were, we were making social commentary. We were, we were trying to change things, you know? And that, yeah. that was, that was part of like, everyone was aware of that. Like we, it wasn't done like, oh, oh, we just happened to be like, it was done intentionally. Like mm -hmm. this was important and everyone knew it was important. One of the things that I've been, I've been sort of like, apparently I'm producing like 47 episodes around seeing red probably. So I just don't have to think about the episode itself. <laughs> but um, I, I recently connected with this woman in the UK who had reached out and she said, you know, I don't know if anybody shared this with you before, but I um, was on the Buffy boards and I was on the kitten board, which was the Aww, name of the yep. Tara Willow board. And she met her wife on the kitten yeah! board. I know. And they have an 11 year old son. And I just Aww. like, I know. And I, her name's Emma. And I had this like hour long conversation with her and it just came up now organically because it's like, this was so important to so many people, but like that, that experience of like this person and so many others like her were caught that she was closeted in her day-to-day -day life. She was not out. That spot on the internet was the place where she was herself, where she found her people. She like flew from the UK to Vegas. There was like a kitten board convention. She told mm -hmm. me all sorts of wild stuff. Yep. <laughs> um, but like that, it's like that. I think that for so, um, if you're not if you haven't like experienced that, like being closeted and like not, not telling everyone who you are in truth uh, and then sort of coming to that truth via a character like Tara, a relationship like Tara and Willow, maybe it's not as clear, like as clear of how powerful it is, but it really just, it really changed lives. No, I, I mean, one of the most amazing things to me about Buffy is the fact that this, community sprung up around the show across the like like it's there's the, the like I like Buffy and then there are all the different variations on that theme <laughs> and you know the kid and the witch and the bad wardrobe like that was one of the little sections of one of the little the little areas that that people found each other um but uh for me like getting letters I mean we got let this was pre like social media this was like way before this was like <laughs> chat room time like <laughs> chat you know boards and uh there was email but it you know like no social media no twitter nothing that like in your face um and getting letters from people who are like i live in a little tiny town in the middle of nowhere and i don't know but anybody else who's who's queer mm -hmm. i and watching you guys makes me feel like i belong to something that like i'm not alone mm -hmm. and my mom and i watch it or my dad and I, my family we watch it and it allowed me to talk about who i am like come on like <laughs> come on how incredible is that and the fact that like i never got any nasty letters like i got i got some religious tracks people mm -hmm. going like you know we want like jesus to like take you and let, whatever but it was never hate filled filled it was yeah. never mean-spirited like i'm like for whatever reason that that relationship engendered a lot of love and even if you didn't agree with it there was not that like hate that sometimes you see for for stuff this mm -hmm. like 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 just 
idiot hate. It's mm-hmm. just stupid hate that has no bearing in reality. It's yeah. just somebody's issues that they're putting out on something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but with that relationship, it I mean, it's the it's the thing I'm probably most proud of as a person being involved in. You know, like I've done a lot of stuff, and that one because of that relationship, the Tara Willer relationship, like that that that's a thing that like I feel like. If I died tomorrow, I would be satisfied with my life because I got to participate and be a part of that. Yeah. You're not allowed to talk about dying tomorrow. That, that's- <laughs> <laughs> my mom still has not seen the episode. She's like, I can't watch. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. no. May it's it like, forever be so. She should yeah. never watch it. No, she's like, it's you and it's Tara. No, <laughs> not going to watch. Oh, mom. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? <laughs> yes. She lives in a world where Tara never died. Um, I think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jenny, I see it. I have a question. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. A moment of like impish diversion since you mentioned <laughs> standards and practices and you talked about like delivering a super over the top kiss so that you could get like a regular uh, like plain feeling kiss uh, past the sensors. It's reminding me of a particular <clears throat> moment and a particular prop <laughs> in the episode Family. And I don't know if you remember this. Oh, God. Maybe it's burned in your mind, like the way it has become burned in our minds. Maybe not. Uh, but there's a know. scene where <laughs> All right. uh, Tara's dad is uh, waiting for her in her dorm room. <laughs> and he's, he's like sort of, uh, you know. Yeah gesturing around to all of the the magic adjacent items yeah 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 the occult stuff everywhere Mm -hmm. the occult stuff everywhere and then um you know (laughs) he says something like uh did you want me to see all these toys and as he says the word toys he picks up what can only be described as a particularly phallic crystal that happens to be on a counter and i'm just wondering if that was like a sort of deliberate fuck you that everyone knew would fly under the sensor radar or if it was just some fun i don't know if that was on per- i imagine it had to have been on purpose come on like that's pretty pretty um it's a choice that's a choice yeah um i i don't know I don't know whether it was done on purpose or not, but I imagine it was. I can't remember if there was a conversation about it. I, I remember the moment now that you're talking. I'm like, oh, yeah. No, he, yeah. Mm, that was, yes. Yes. What that was doing in the room, we don't know. Um, magic. Lots and lots magic. of magic. So much magic. magic. So yeah. much magic. Really intense, intense magic. <laughs> Nothing could transition us better <laughs> to talking about witchcraft than phallic <laughs> crystals. Um, but like, you, we can go there. Magic, it gets muddy. Like where we are now, like what magic is, is is way more complicated than like yeah. what it seemed to be at the jump. Um, but it's yeah. a really big theme for obviously uh, Willow and Tara and um in the beginning we read it directly as like a code like right maybe maybe uh standards and practices won't let us kiss but they will let us uh, move a vending machine yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, with our intertwined fingers (laughs) yes yes Uh, those intertwined fingers carry so much power um Oh, the things Willow can do with her fingers, you guys. You have no idea. (laughs) Lots of magic. But, but like, what what was 
that conversation, if you remember it at the time, like when those moments were happening, you know, the we have the vending machine or like floating the rose or I have a whole chart of the stages of, of <laughs> queer witch love. So I've got them fresh in my brain. But what was it like on set to, uh, processing that? Um, so uh, in the beginning, in the beginning, <laughs> uh, there was no talk because we weren't aware that this was sort of the dynamic that 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 they wanted the, the way they wanted to go with the willow tarot relationship it was really just like oh they're friends doing magic mm. to, you know they're she's gonna be part of a co- yeah they're yeah yeah um i was only 22 i missed the coding i'm sorry i was very sheltered i didn't know um but, uh, but then, you know, Joss took each of us aside separately and was like, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. And he actually, from my understanding, he, he had uh, friends. He and his wife at the time, Kai, had friends who were a lesbian couple. And I think this was sort of his mash note to them. Mm. You know? wow. There mm. wasn't that representation. And he wanted to, 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 give, to put that out there for mm. people that he cared about, to show wow. them that they existed in the world, mm-hmm. you know? in a way that really wasn't available yeah. at that time. So anyway, so we didn't know, then we knew. And, well, it was interesting because the crew kept coming over. People would be like, oh my gosh, you guys have such chemistry. And I'd be like, yes, we do. It would nice. We have so much fun doing our magic tricks together. Um, and then we were taken aside. We both, you know, and then it, you know, so then when we would do stuff like floating the rose, yes, we all knew that this was sort of like a stand-in for and it's interesting because, you know, like looking back now that we're, we're kind of opening this up, I think sometimes we want things to happen like this and people aren't ready for it. And maybe that process of doing magic and sort of getting people comfortable with the relationship via like a sort of like simpler sort of like mm-hmm. coded way so that when we actually did take the step and make it sort of official with the kiss and the body, People were like, oh, okay, this is just an evolution of this thing. So in retrospect, maybe the process, standards and practices did us kind of a favor, maybe, <laughs> by, by allowing it to build, you know, in a slower, sort of more simple fashion. I mean, yeah. I, I'm rewriting it in a way because it, that would be nice if that was like, you know, what actually, you know, it's just it's shitty. It was like, we don't want that. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. But looking back, maybe maybe it was helpful unconsciously because it allowed people to really get comfortable with that relationship and to really feel the feels so that like when it finally like broke open, it was like, Oh, I need to, this is the thing that I wanted that I didn't even know I wanted, yeah. you know? Yeah. Cause people are like, Oh, this is hot. <laughs> this is awesome. This is amazing. Like, this is what we were looking for. And we didn't know it. Like yeah. we were just enjoying their relationship. Yeah. And I mean, it also, sp- I, I agree. I agree with that analysis because it also speaks to like the, the fact that intimacy can look a lot of different ways and like mm-hmm. perhaps you can't move a vending machine with your partner but like it's not just about the kiss you know like there's so much else that's there that underpins a connection to another person yeah well how many times do you do you hear people who were friends for a really long time who didn't even know that they like they just like each other and then they like fall in love with each other because they've gotten to know each other and maybe mm-hmm. that was what happened with willow and tara and and our audience is our yeah. audience got to fall in love with them slowly Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there is something, you're right. There's something to that. I mean, think about like the Spike and Buffy relationship, the build on that. Will they, won't they, will they, won't they? Like we kind of in a way had that with Tara and Willow as well, because yeah. well, what's, what's happening here? What's really going on? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. 
anticipation. <laughs> oh my God. What a great, sorry, but anticipation is definitely Woo! hits a question that we have uh, later on. Jenny, I don't know if you know what I mean. But... Is there some floating involved with this? Um... <laughs> well, there could be. I actually, I was referring to um, you being, it's, it's in the musical section of our questions, but I was referring to you being in uh, Rocky Horror with oh my uh, gosh. Tony Head because you said anticipation, which is that's anticipation. That's where you went. I love it. For anticipation. Oh um, my gosh. Oh my gosh. We just rockied out. I love it. Funny enough, so uh when Tia Carrera had to drop out, who did they think of that was just like Tia Carrera? Amber Benson. Not of course. kidding. Of course. Not kidding. It was supposed to be Tia Carrera. Somehow she wasn't able to do it and they called me. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like nice. I, I, I'm reasonably confident about myself, but like, geez, if I look like Tia and like, I would never leave my house or just be like in the mirror all day. Ooh, yes. So that's how I, they were like, you want to go to Vegas and like sing, sing some songs for Rocky Horror. And I, you know, had seen Rocky a zillion times, you know, starting from the time I was like 13. Yeah. Um, going and I'm not a virgin anymore. Um, getting pelted with toilet paper rolls, like very embarrassing and awesome. Well, while we're here, should we talk about the musical? Yeah. Sure. I mean, um, as you mentioned, it's like one of the real standout episodes of the series. It's not like anything else. And it's also, I don't know, not to put too fine a point on anything and not to invite a zillion uh, corrective emails from our (laughs) listenership but I think it's by far the best musical episode of any television series and I have endured many oh yeah uh it's great I kind of agree Mm -hmm. uh you're great I feel like the the lore is that like uh maybe like you and Tony and James were kind of like a big part of the sort of impetus because you guys all have the pipes. So like, let's ride. Can you (laughs) tell us like how the ball got rolling? Yes. So has has anybody ever talked about this with you guys? The sort of like Shakespeare hangout things that were happening. Maybe James talked a little bit. I feel like James did, right? Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, like I like I always say, the world is not black and white. It's not all bad and it's not all good. There's gradations. And, uh, and for me, Buffy was that, like, there were some like amazing things and I'm so proud. There were things that were rough too, things that Mm -hmm. were hurtful and not so fun, Mm -hmm. but going and spending, you know, a Saturday afternoon with, with the cast and with Joss and the writers and reading Shakespeare. And then that would devolve into like, you know, everyone having a drink and something to eat and kind of gathering around the piano and having little sing-alongs. It's like little women. It was like, we were in little women. (laughs) I guarantee no one has ever compared Buffy to Little Women. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we would all sing and play piano. And, uh, you know, obviously Tony and James, like they do music for a living also, as well as being actors. They're, they're musical performers. I mean, Tony was in Rocky Horror back mm-hmm. in, you know, and James and his band, you know, like his, his singing career and his band. And, you know, so yeah, we were all pro we were like yeah you want to do a musical we are so in everybody was really on board I think you know for Allison she's not a singer so it was a little less like 
but she like <laughs> totally did it like hats off like when something that you're like not my thing and you do it like hats off right it's really cool. <laughs> and I know there was talk of Sarah someone voicing Sarah and she was like no I'm gonna do it myself even though it's something that I don't do I'm gonna do it and I also take my hat off to her like that's mm-hmm. a scary both of them it's scary to do something that like you're like oh that's not my thing yeah but you do it and they both were great you know and I know that you know Sarah also wound up doing so much of the dancing even though she's like... great with the da- I'm not good da- I mean you, <laughs> well, see, you can see me walk into the pillar right <laughs> Jeez. Yes, I, I truly, a beloved you moment. Know what's incredible is we watched the episode. I don't even know how many times at this point getting ready for our episode, uh-huh. and I still haven't seen it. I don't know what? how. I know how everyone said it's how- so glaring to me. I'm I like, miss oh, it every time. <laughs> so, do you remember that moment? Like, you remember oh. it happening? Oh yeah, no, it happened, <laughs> and I did. You know that like that Pee Wee Herman moment where you're like, I meant to do that. I totally meant to do that. <laughs> Um, I, I had that moment. I was like, I meant to, and I looked around and I'm like, oh, nobody, no one, no one saw. Oh, I, nobody saw. I don't even have to do the peewee moment. I don't have to do the, like, I meant to do that. And nobody saw. Yes. Forever. Um, and then I watched the episode. I'm like, the editor saw. <laughs> Put that in there. Bingling walking into a pole. Ugh. Oh, it's so good though. I mean, it's, I haven't seen ridiculous. it, but I know it delights everybody. And one of these days yes. I'm gonna catch it for myself. I um, feel like I, I stupidly called it out myself and right. like started the ball rolling. Like I think maybe if I had just kept my mouth shut, nobody would have ever noticed. But of course, I, I would rather have people laugh and be like be involved in in the ridiculousness than mm-hmm. to let it like my 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 sense of like um uh, respect for myself is is low in that way I, if I can get you to laugh by debasing myself I will um. <laughs> did you have I mean you you do apart from from that infamous uh poll moment uh which usually would mean something entirely different totally but- different <laughs> totally different this is did- the least this is the least <laughs> sex workery, strippery, like, pole moment ever. Pole moment. But did you have, I mean, you must have had dance experience before this, because you have a whole so, a whole dance solo uh, earlier before we get to the yeah. uh, levitation, which we definitely will get to. <laughs> um, so I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm a, I'm a mutt Jew girl from Birmingham. <laughs> and uh, I did tons of theater growing up and did, like, ballet and tap and jazz gymnastics singing I just did it I was like that kid that really like annoying like theater kid um (laughs) me too (laughs) which is like the best what an amazing way to grow up you know like I I loved it I loved participating in theater it was wonderful for me it was such a great outlet and it taught me so much and gave me as a shy kid the ability to put on my like amber happy face and go out (laughs) into the world and and be like an introverted extrovert. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did all the, all the, the, the dancey stuff growing up. Mm. Um, but I will say that I honestly am not the most coordinated. Like I did all that stuff. I, you know, can do it, but I, <laughs> I I'm spatially like a little not with it. Like I walk into stuff all the time and I apologize to inanimate pieces of furniture all the time. <laughs> Like the coffee table and I have a real like hardcore relationship with me just constantly apologizing to it. Sorry. I'm really sorry. Talk my, 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 my boyfriend's like, wait, why are you 
apologizing to the coffee table, but you know, I, I heard it. I feel badly. I know there's something that's on everyone's minds. You know? Oh, yes. Uh, a lot of people who uh, act, you know, inevitably one day will be called to engage in uh, some semblance of a sex scene in their film, their television show, whatever. Uh, But so few of those people will get to levitate (laughs) during said sex scene. I was just wondering if you can tell us anything about like the rigging, the like, how is it? What's the practical end? Uh, Are you being uh, raised on some kind of a, I'm gesturing with two flat two, hands. Two flat hands flat going like there's some like Yeah. I think you should yeah. tell um I think you should tell Amber what we caught what we named this um oh, we, technique. Yes. I, I think coined uh coined the name for the technique, which is uh levitate lingus. Yes. Oh uh, hell we feel yeah, decent about it. Yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. Uh are, yeah, but am you I allowed call to say the real? Can, are you allowed to say the real word? Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, you can yeah. say any. You can do I anything. Can say, you okay, want any here. word you yeah. want, yeah. Amber. <laughs> I love that I got to participate in the first like full on cunnilingus moment on on national network television. Fuck yeah! I, I mean, I'm I'm saying that, and there may be others. Maybe you'll get some some emails going. Well, actually, in season five of uh, Cop Rock, I know that there was a cunnilingus <laughs> moment. Um, did you just say Cop Rock? I did because I'm old. Latoya's gonna lose her shit. Our our host of Angel on Top has brought up Cop Rock like fifty thousand times. That's just oh such gosh. a random thing. Anyway, well, it was Latoya, so that's fascinating as a kid going like, wait, they're, they're singing and they're cops. I don't understand. I like it, kind of. Maybe not. I can't tell. Uh, anyway, not to distract from yeah, the main uh, event. Um, yes. Levitatolingus is that nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Levitate lingus. Um, so yeah, so it was, um, let's see if I can, if I can get the, the, cur- the whole thing correctly, uh, sort of parsed out. Uh, so it was like a board <laughs> and there was like a lev, like a, like a lever sort of like a seesaw of, kind of, a yeah, thing? kind of. And all like the big teamster guys were like holding it down and then slowly would lift it up, like let it go. And it would lift up. So I was surround like in the middle of my levitating yeah. I was surrounded by <laughs> men watching. Mm, I feel like the male so gaze, the male gaze was very involved in this process. <laughs> um, no, it was literally like it was that moment and the um the ice cream truck and restless moment. Oh when, yeah. When Allison and I are all kitted up. Uh and literally that like all the dudes were like, we can help you make the ice cream thing like we, we need to help with this. I'm, like men you've never yeah. seen before who like hang out out at the trucks right, right. are like coming in to help. And we had like, we had the best crew. Like I, I'm sure people have talked about this before, but Buffy from the Teamsters all the way to the top, like it was such a good crew. Like they worked so hard. Um, they were so kind. I didn't have my driver's license when I started on Buffy. Um, and the Teamsters over the three years I was on the show were like, kid, just go get your, we'll give you a parking space. If you go get your, I'm scared to get my, if you go get your license, we'll put your name on a little thing, put it on the space. They were trying so hard to get me to like, go get my driver's license. They were like the nice, like truly like, mm-hmm. when I see people that worked on Buffy, it's just old home. Like they're just 
such good humans, just good people. We were so, so blessed to have such a good crew who dedicated, you know, their lives to the show. Because let me tell you, you'd start, you'd start on Monday coming in at like five in the morning. And then we'd have these split weeks by, by the time Friday came up, we were coming in at six in the evening and working all night. So these people oh. like did not see their families. Like they had Sundays with their families and that's kind of it. Like, God. like it was, it was all inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Like, did you just, get your driver's license? Finally. <laughs> it took a long time. Um, <laughs> I know. And everyone's was like, Oh, are you from New York? I'm like, no, I'm just York that is that is very it's very New York yeah it's it is very New York I should just lie and go oh yeah totally New York oh my god <laughs> um, so yeah so the so the levitatolingus was these these dudes with this like sort of seesaw con- sort of contraption releasing me so that I would go up in the air for you right. make me wow. come right pleat pleat <laughs> Uh, um, we're gonna fantastic. pretend like those do. We we should have never asked the question. Right? The you dudes. don't want to know about the <laughs> dudes. The dudes. the dudes are gone. Yeah. Um, um, the dudes aren't really there. They're right. they're imaginary dudes. Imaginary. You don't have to see them. <laughs> All you got to do is look at what's on the screen. That's the most important thing. Um, but it was funny that like it took like seven burly big dudes to make me levitate. <laughs> I, I mean, was like, am I that dress? like? That dress. dress is, it's the dress. It weighs so much, that dress. It's so hard to get her to levitate with that dress. <laughs> Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. To the point of, like, thinking about you, like, not driving and Tara not driving, are there, like, you know, where is the, on the Venn diagram of Amber and Tara, like, 
where is the overlap if there is like what parts of Tara are parts of you um and did like any of Tara kind of like leave with you as well well we're both like very law-abiding um <laughs> nice I'm I am made fun of for my inability to do things if a sign says not to do them oh my god Jenny too yeah like <laughs> hell yeah like, like we were in um we were in Port, Port no we were in Burlington Vermont in the evening and we were on this side street kind of wandering around looking so pretty and there was a sidewalk with like a sign that said do not walk there's no one around it's like you know getting dark and I wouldn't walk on the sidewalk respect I was I was horribly uh uh uh, made fun of for not Mm -hmm. like there's nobody here why are you like this is for the daytime when people are doing something on this sidewalk. <laughs> Jen, Jenny would have been on the side of the street with you yeah, also yeah. not walking. That's me. Absolutely. And I, and I, Solidarity. And I, think, I think that's Tara also. Mm-hmm. She's very like law abiding. If there's a sign that says don't do it, Tara will not do it. And neither will ever. <laughs> um, um, that, that shyness that Tara had is de- I'm definitely, I, I am definitely an, an introverted extrovert where I am definitely, like it's hard, like, I have to work myself up to be able to like go into a situation and then I, you know, I turn it on and I'm like, bah, 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 you know, but like inside, like I'm constantly like, yeah, I have to talk. <laughs> so, okay. So we talked a little bit about practical effects with the yes. seesaw and the men. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> the <laughs> dancing there... alone in my dress was on me. Yeah. There were no men at all. <laughs> Were no there any other like uh, like effect moments like that that you remember? I mean, there's so much there's so much magic I- in general, but also there's like the end of season five with Glory and like all yeah. that stuff. So, what sticks out to you? So to get my my brain sucked out, the things you, yes, yeah, the things you know that yeah. that just happen in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did like a like a like a, a cast of my head, and you have to it's like alginate, and they basically cover your whole head with with alginate to make this this live cast of your of your your head oh my god and then they i can't remember if it was blue or green i think it was blue but so they had this fake head and that's they could put in the effects and they could put maybe it was green for the so they could put in you know so uh-huh. there was this like fake head of me no hair or anything it was just like this green or blue head of me shaped my face and head and i guess um Whoever drove it over to location put it in the passenger seat so they could ride carpool. <laughs> <laughs> like so my, where the hell head, is that now? You right? Know. Who knows? It's probably doing some interesting things. <laughs> I don't want to know what my it's like action figures. They're things you don't want to know. Yeah. I know what I did to yeah. Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> did you keep did you keep anything from from the set? Um I guess you said you were rule abiding, so maybe not. But not really. Like I know, I think I think Allison said she took the the like the the newel post from the staircase, like that mm. sort of rounded sort of. I think that's a newel post, whatever that is. That sort of thing on top of the yeah the stair, yeah. She took that. I think is what I remember her saying. Um, no, they let me keep like my, the pants that I wore when I died. Your death pants. How thoughtful. Death, death, death pants. So you have your death you know, pants. I'm, oh, God. That's pants. sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we actually auctioned them off and they like for charity or something at one point. I can't remember what I did with them. I think that was kind of it. Like I have, I have like um, this really great little box that, that had the Buffy logo on it that uh, Todd McIntosh, who did the, who was the head of the makeup department, 
that he had made for, for people mm. sort of like, like a wrap gift at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have that still, which is really great. Um, Todd's mm. such a sweetheart. Since you brought up your death pants, <laughs> we don't want to talk about uh, Tara dying really at all, but it, it exists. Uh, and so perhaps we can go there for a moment and just yeah. like, I wonder, cause, cause you know, it's been 20 say years. Um, oh, and I wonder Lord. what it was like oh, at God. the time to move through that. Like what, like if you knew there was going to be the outcry that there was as, as it was it happening. It wouldn't have happened if, if, if anyone, I, I truly, I truly believe if Joss had understood, he truly, truly, because this is just who he is. He was thinking about story. Mm-hmm. He was just thinking about how do I get Willow to the point where she can become Dark Willow? That mm-hmm. is like, he was just goal oriented. It was mm-hmm. like Dark Willow. How do I get there? Oh, losing the most important thing in her life, which is Tara. Right. That mm-hmm. was the, that was it. Like there was no, like, I mean, the fact that we have the kill your gaze trope and we are partly responsible for that is I think so upsetting to me and to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to, to be a part of that. If mm-hmm. there had been any, any understanding that that was what was going to happen, I don't think they would have done it. Yeah. Um, truly. I, and uh, you know, I know people get really angry and they're really mad at the people that created the show because of it and i, I just it, it, it wasn't intentional but sometimes the, the things that hurt the most are the thoughtless things right well yeah mm-hmm. and, and i think i don't know i mean this person that i spoke with that i was talking about before like they shared some posts from like the willow boards and even those posts were were like it was like there was a lot of hurt but the, yeah. even those posts were really clear on saying like we don't think that anyone that created this show is like homophobic or anything like that no. but this no. these are the reasons in which yep. like this thing is is harmful to us because especially then i mean it's it, not that it's good to you know, k- kill your gays now, but at least yeah. we've got a few more gays um, yeah. to, to go to go watch. Whereas then it was not so much. And, um, you know, well, I, I, yeah. Well, I was just going to say it's, you know, like right now when we talk about racial bias, people are like, well, I'm not racist. And, you know, as a, as a white woman, I have been given things because of that. And I mm-hmm. think we have to look at the kill your gays trope in the same way. If you are not thinking because it is, in, it is in bias. There is a bias built in mm-hmm. to our society. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so as a cis white dude writing this moment, it doesn't occur to you because of your bias mm-hmm. that this will impact people in a particular way. And it's the same thing with, with, with racism in this mm-hmm. country and the fact that we are a racist country. It is embedded in our bedrock, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, that is just how it is. And, and like saying that we, like, I am a, a cis white woman who's been given every chance. And I am, you know, I have to look at that entitlement and own it and go, you know what, I can do better. I need to be more thoughtful and, 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 and open the door for other people and let other people speak and be a, and participate. And like, I need to just be quiet. And I think in this moment with, in, with Tara, like there was bias because, yeah. you know, they're not, He's not queer. He's not a queer person writing this moment. He is yeah. a white dude writing this moment. And yeah. it didn't occur to him out of that bias, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and we just have to talk about these things because when we talk about them, maybe we can change them, you know? Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, I think that that conversation that not that it started in that exact moment, but like, I think, I think that people who are creating 
shows and movies now are more aware of not only that trope, but like the importance of like, if you're going to tell this person's story, have somebody who has that story in the room, like things like that. And those of us, you know, I think we're all of a similar age. Like that was not the conversation then for those of us who had more privilege. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that. yeah. I mean, I think about like my friend Javi wrote the episode of the 100, you know, and he knew. And, you know, he, he told them, Yes. <laughs> he was like, I know Amber, <laughs> I know Amber, I know, I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and because that wasn't his show, he was, he had to write this thing that he knew was, and so mm-hmm. he put himself out there afterwards yeah. and was on social media going, I know this is awful and I'm really sorry. And come to me, talk to me. I will, I will talk to you and go through mm-hmm. this trauma with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But we're still in a place where, like, people aren't aware. We're still not aware. We're still fighting. And I'm guilty. We're all guilty of it. Like, no one is perfect. I fuck up all the time. I do the wrong thing, you know? But instead of getting defensive about it, which I've, that's happened to me in the past where I've like, no, but I'm, I'm not. I'm like, well, fuck you, Benson. You are. You're (laughs) like, you grew up. You were lucky. Yes. You know, I did get bullied because, you know, I was Jewish. We went to temple and people are very anti-Semitic sometimes. I have experienced it, but I pass as just a like totally Mm -hmm. white lady. Mm -hmm. I don't have to deal with that every day. Yeah. You know? Well, and I imagine that, and I, I'll say this. So I imagine that like the experience of moving. Sorry, through that, I get on my, my, my like soapbox. <laughs> no, that, we're literally here for, for you to be on all, any soapbox or otherwise mm-hmm. elevated uh, platform that you would like to be on. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I imagine that the experience of, of like playing Tara and also of like moving through all that was after seeing red has impacted your own awareness of, of the, things and probably the way that you engage in the world um and totally i will add like a tiny personal anecdote onto this which is that and i didn't like even connect this until a couple of days ago when i was like sitting down and thinking about talking with you uh the work that i do outside of uh, buffering is for lgbtq plus communities and what have you and a million years ago before i had ever even seen buffy the vampire slayer it was like 20 i watched the show very late um and so it was like 20 12. Um, and I did a big fundraiser for what is now called mykidisgay.com, but what was then the parents project. And yeah. it got, it got huge. Like it was spread all over the place and you, you helped create that you donated to that thing before I knew like any of this would then come to pass. And so I just put it in there as like a little personal uh, thing that I imagine, and not that you wouldn't have supported this anyhow, but how, how, I guess I'm asking, did the embodying the role of Tara and the experience sort of shape your own presence in the world? You know, I, cause I was a theater kid, I grew up around people who were gay. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, I remember doing, a, I was eight or nine. I did this like Birmingham children's theater play of Snowy and the Seven Dwarfs. And I was out of school for like six weeks and it was a couple of kids, but there was all mostly adult, adults. And I just remember like how wonderful the men were who participated in, in the play with me, so kind and caring. And I didn't know that they were gay men. You know, I didn't know they were LGBTQ plus. Like I didn't know what that was. I was eight or nine years old, but they being in my life impacted me because I was like, they're just, 
they're just these really kind people to me that treated me well when I was a kid. But it became clear to me as I grew up, I was like, oh, they're, they're gay men who date other men. And it didn't make a difference to, I didn't care because I, like, I had a great experience and I was, was, was shown that like, everybody is a person. We all poop. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter who you love. We all like have to eat. We all poop. We all basically have to sleep. You know, we're just people underneath it all, whether regardless of our sexual orientation or mm -hmm. the color of our skin or our religious affiliate, like we're all human beings. And I think because of my experience with parents who were very liberal and, you know, being part of the theater community as a kid, like it just, it made me very, very aware of that stuff from an early age and very like, like mad when someone would be mean to somebody because they were different from them. It yeah. really upset me. And uh, I've always felt like that. And I'm sure I've done things that hurt people and, and that are unconscious, but I do, I do, I am, tr I try to be aware, you know? Um, and then playing Tara, of course, was like an extension of that. Um, for me, it's like, no, like they should be able to kiss. They should be able to have a, like, to me, it just was like a no brainer. Like, why would anyone care? Like it doesn't like who gives a shit? Like they love each other. That's the important thing. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so for me, like, I, I just always felt like when somebody was in a position where they were treated badly, I just always want to like fight for them. Yeah. You know? Um, and then of course I've been very conflicted because I am a, a straight white woman playing a queer character and 20 something years ago, it's like, no one talked about the fact that, oh no, you're not LGBTQ plus playing this character. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, there was a lot of conflict for me about like walking in her shoes and playing her when probably somebody who was queer should have played her. That's what should happen, right? That's the right thing. And so I've been, you know, like, I felt like the only way I could sort of make, make myself feel okay with it in retrospect was to be like, no, do the good work, fight the good fight, be a mm -hmm. part of that, like do what you can to help and further like, you know, people being treated fairly across the board. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and that, I mean, it's like, it's clear from hearing you talk that like, now that wouldn't happen. That wasn't part of the, I think most it was not of us, part of, it, was it was not bias. part of the conversation. It's, it was then. bias. Like yeah. we, we, you know, it is like, we're, we're biased because we don't talk about these things. We didn't talk about these things. Now we do, but we didn't, you right. know? Right. And that's what it's about. It's like about listening. Uh yeah. Anyway, Jenny, I feel like I have led the the charge, um, and I know we want, we want to talk about the future, yes. the the future that Tara didn't get, and like what you're doing now and things like that. Um, and I want to be respectful of of your time. So yeah, go ahead. Wicked quick before we get to the future that like the theoretical hypothetical future, right? <laughs> uh, on top of the unbearable injury of experiencing the loss of Tara in the show. We must also swallow the insult of the reality that she dies uh, violently and accidentally at the hands uh. of a universally reviled villain, uh, maybe the most irredeemable character to ever set foot inside the show. Uh, how do you feel about the specifics of, of how it was made that Tara died? The fact that it was this sort of like outside of the norm death like everything else is sort of magic-y you can <laughs> come back for, but this was like a gun this was real this was an accident you know this was like a human doing it like it was just like the, I think it was it was all of those 
beats that made it so like awful. <laughs> it was really like, it was really intense. It was not a, you know, like that was not a good, I, it was not a good way to die your shirt, you know, like, come on, like that. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, and I think yeah. it just was so painful because mm. of all those, those pieces. Yeah. Um, but, but done that way on purpose because they wanted it to be like, they wanted the audience hurt. to understand why she, you had to, you had to go on the journey with her. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Dark Willow did some bad shit. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in order to maintain like the, the understand, like the empathy for, for that character, you had to have experienced the loss she experienced, right, right. you know, cause otherwise she like becomes irredeemable and she had to be redeemable because it's Willow. He had yeah. to, to be able to make her okay. So you had to give her this awful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it was done specifically that way on purpose to make it just as awful as possible. But on a happier mm. note, like, mm-hmm. like I got a cake that said, <laughs> it was a tombstone that said, rest in peace, oh. Tara McClay with the oh. dates. And, is, and there, there's sweet. a lovely Polaroid floating around of me, like holding a big knife, <laughs> you know, with tears and mascara everywhere and, and everyone there while I'm getting my tombstone cake. Um, oh so, my God. Well, yeah. can we can we just like pretend for a moment uh, or longer than a moment that <laughs> that Tara didn't die? Um, yeah, I we, like that. I'm pro. We have. Yeah. I mean, we had a, cu- a couple of listeners. I mean, a lot of listeners wrote in and, and just wondered, <laughs> like, what would Tara's future be like uh, if she hadn't died? And, and um, Jamie what was the best one. Yeah, tell well, me. Well, J- Jamie, Jamie had uh, one that I really enjoyed because I, I feel like it's really accurate. Which is personally, I like to think that Tara and Willow would have a big, beautiful apartment somewhere filled with too many cats and too many plants. <laughs> um, but like yeah, that. do you do you like ruminate? Like, uh, c- could you imagine what Tara would be doing right now? I feel like Tara would be like a counselor. Mm, you know, yes, helping, definitely. helping LGBTQ plus youth who are, you know, out in the world and she's there to sort of support and love and, and, and be there and to mentor. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I like to, you know what I've decided that they did actually, like she's doing that for money, mm-hmm. but really what they've done is they've opened like an air, like, like, like a, or a B and B somewhere Yes. Some small town in Northern California. And it's very much like, you know, um, New Heart where they have like their little inn and <laughs> their little B&B and like they, you know, just live this lovely little sort of new agey, adorable cat, definitely cat and plant filled life with Dawn coming to spend the summers with uh, them. And correct. I, I do feel like they kind of, I do, I say this and I, I do mean this. I feel like Willow and Tara had the best relationship. Like we really did before it all went to shit. Mm-hmm. We had the best relationship and we were kind of like in charge of raising Dawn. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So to me like that, I love that. I, oh. and I think that's what would go on. Uh, we will be making reservations nice. that that B&B. <laughs> Correct. Wouldn't that be sweet? Like it would be gluten-free, vegan. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, <laughs> Like bicycles for everybody to ride, oh, you know. Lots of uh, Miss Kitty Fantasticos. Yes, Miss Kitty Fantastico <laughs> and all of her progeny. Do you know? 
Um, Not like well, Miss, the actual Miss Kitty, but well, like Miss Kitty was mini kitties. <laughs> oh, there was so much pussy on that show. Let me tell you. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. No, that's a great. There were so many great sound bite. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there were so many, there were so many meows on that show. I'm not even kidding you. Every time we had a Miss Kitty Fantastico moment, especially with the kitten version, there were like 50 little kitties running around because oh oh. you know, they can only work for certain amounts of time. So you get one for like five minutes kitten and then the loss. next one. What was really funny is, mm. you know, in the scene where they wanted, um, they wanted the kitties to lick. So they put like tuna oil on Allie's chin to get the kitty to come off the kitten to like lick. <laughs> Tara does love tuna. So does the, so do the kitties. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. The things you Tara do. Tara loves tuna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up every time. Like that, like we couldn't get through that scene. That was weird. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, nothing sexier than like a, a woman smelling like tuna oil. Tuna really? Fish. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For kitties. Yes. For the meows. Yes. So many meows. Sorry. I had to go to the dirty place. I apologize. No, nice. that's what this podcast Life's is too for. Short. Jenny has a whole segment called 1080 PhD. So we're... <laughs> there's what? just a lot to examine. Yeah. There's a lot to look at. Yeah. All. Yeah. In uh... like 4k, like in your face. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we haven't graduated to 4k yet, actually. <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> it's a process. We're getting there. 4k is coming. Uh, well, Kristen and I are like very busy analyzing every moment <laughs> of, uh, a television show you were on some years ago. Uh, that's what we fill our days with. Yep. What are you up to like right now? What are you working on? What's in the oven? Uh, what's in the oven? <laughs> um, nothing. Cause I'm sick of cooking. I need too <laughs> much damn nice. cooking this pandemic. Uh. I made bagels for God's sake. <gasps> did you really? Whoa. I did twice. And? Once was good. Once was not so good. Oh um, no. Yeah. I'm you? not the greatest baker, um, <laughs> but I did that. I did it. I did it. I did my pandemic baking, did it for the team. Um, <laughs> it had to be yeah, done. It had to be done. What am I doing now? Um, I am, uh, I'm working on two podcasts. One I cannot talk about. These are, these are like Fair. narrative fiction ones. Oh, cool. One I cannot talk about, um, but I think you guys would enjoy it if it happens um, a lot. <laughs> and then the other one uh, is I am doing a podcast based on my uh, Witches of Echo Park books. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of cool. And then um, I've been I've been writing like Lifetime movies and Hallmark Channel movies, like mysteries, which is really fun yes. and like true crime stuff. So, so working on fun. some of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just, you know, not I, I've been, yeah, just spending a lot of time rereading like old mysteries, golden mm. age detective -y things and watching as much crappy TV as possible. I was going to say, what are you like, <laughs> you know, the, the job of, a, of a person who's like writing and creating is also to, to ingest. So I wonder oh, heck yeah. what you're like watching and, and we have a very active book club. If you're reading anything yeah. that you'd recommend. I'm not reading anything new. I'm reading like, I'm like, I'm going back and rereading all of the Agatha Christie's, which are kind of problematic in places oh, i didn't sense. remember yes. how intensely problem although <laughs> although they do call all the old ladies in the books old pussies <laughs> just like what like, like literally oh, what? the detectives will be like oh that miss marple she's an old pussy it's like wait what what you know, oh my god <laughs> wow 
You're just like, what? I'm not kidding. Every time I have to stop because I'm like, hee hee hee. Well, because you brought up the, the witches of, of Echo Park. And I, I just, I, you know, I know that some people know about this, uh, about what you've written, but maybe not everyone does. So, and it's maybe bears mentioning that like, on Buffy, you were playing a witch, and yes. now you're writing about witches. So witches. discuss witchy witches. <laughs> yeah, no, I love I I love the occult. I love I love witchcraft. I it was something I was interested in way before I was on the show, um, and uh, so I was able to sort of to parlay some of what I already knew into like what we were doing with Buffy. Although it had, Buffy really had its own mythology and its own sort of thing going on. Um, but it was really neat. And I met tons of people who were uh, involved in the Wiccan community because mm. of Buffy. And that was really neat and to hear like what mm. worked or didn't work for them was kind of interesting and, mm-hmm. and, and very, very, you know, like engaging. Um, and then I ended up writing a three book series about some witches in Echo Park that were um, kind of, you know, kind of based on things that that, uh, that I had experienced. Um, I won't go too in depth into that, but like there were things that had happened that I had experienced and I thought would really make interesting, in, interesting fiction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of cool. gonna We're going to have to read, we're going to put that trilogy on our book. In the book club. club. Yeah, it would be a fantastic, uh, just it's checking fun. off every box in that in the book club. Yeah. Yeah, that's really fun. Um, I, I really had a lot of fun writing them and you know, like I'm always growing as a creative person and you know, to talk about like, like this pod, which is Echo Park, uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's not like an interview thing. It's more like talking about the process of writing and creating oh. and, you know, talking about where the books came from and why I wrote them, you know. So if really we want to learn more about these experiences yes. that you had, that's where we, that's where Jenny's going to immediately run. I can see it in her face. <laughs> Echo Park is really an interesting place and it's full of sort of this esoterica it was a really cool place to, um, I lived there for many years and I had like a whole crew of lady friends that, that are from my Echo Park days. Um, but like in like the fifties, it was called Red Hill because like all of the like artists and kind of communists and kind of political mm. activists <laughs> lived in Echo Park. And, mm. you know, it's just, it's a really magical, magical place. Cool. I love. Very cool. Well, I always like to at least say, is there anything that we didn't ask you that you want to talk about? Is there like a story mm. you were just like, oh, too bad they didn't I ask. must. I must tell. <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny. Like I look back on Buffy and it's like it was like no one was like a big prankster. There weren't like big pranks. Like some set, like I know like Supernatural, those guys were pulling pranks on each other all the time. You know, like we didn't really have that kind of um but it was like it was like being part of a family, you know, and I think that's why the character dying was was hard because I'd spent three years with all of these people and then to like have that sort of taken away was was tough. So when I know that, you know, the I know that you've been so engaged over the years with the fandom, with the Buffy fandom, and um, they're like, like the, they're like the best. Like we really do have the best fans. They are so engaged and so smart and so thoughtful. And like you said, they, they like communities have found each other and had families around. That like it's just it's like this 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 community that will never die. It just gets bigger mm-hmm. and more impactful and wonderful. Yeah, 
Yeah, we're we're very like honored to be a part of that, to be a part Yay. of the community. We're, truly, it's it's really special. And join us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are part of the the cult of Buffy Summers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I there is no way to really uh, thank you enough for sharing time with us and your stories. Oh, it's us. my pleasure. I am so glad that this worked out, and then I got to spend this afternoon with you guys. This lovely LA afternoon, East Coast evening. Yeah, um, well, I was gonna say, is it nice? Is it seventy five and sunny in LA? Is it just doing its LA thing? It's it's in the eighties, but it's yeah, okay. it's totally not nice. too hot. Yeah, not too. Not too <laughs> we're, no, we're very very. We're so lucky in LA. Like a lot of the the state right now is burning up. And... Right, right. Yeah, my sister actually is up in Portland, so we went through that like hundred and Awful. Yeah, nuts. So um, climate change is real, people. Oh my god! Get I mean, here. It's yeah. been raining like, but I don't even know. I feel like the whole house is gonna float no, away. Get yeah. vaccinated. Climate change is real. I just <laughs> reiterate. I am vaccinated. I got my two Pfizer dabs. Like, do it. Nice. It's yes. important. Yeah. Buffy. Buffy people are thoughtful logical intelligent humans who mm. understand that like yes there are some scary bits associated with with covid and getting vaccinated but they the the way that it saves people who can't get the vaccine like makes it necessary you have to yes. do it not just for you but for everybody else like be empathetic and be kind and like it's it's for you and for the people around you that's really important you do it yeah because we want to like save the, the people around us, mm-hmm. people who can't get vaccinated, and the kids and the older older people, yeah, the oldies as I like to call them. Yes, my my, my parents, the old the old pussies. We got <laughs> the old pussies. You do it for the old pussies. <laughs> the old pussies can't do it for themselves. You got to do it for them. <laughs> um, Everyone needs a helping yes. hand, you guys. <laughs> Uh, well, we will. Well, be... I think we did what we came here to do. We did. We did. We'll be checking in to the Tara and Willow Inn uh, for our next vacation. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Amber, thank you so much. Oh, and thank you guys. From, Such a pleasure. Like, from all of our humans, uh, I, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end this uh, reading one of their messages to you. Okay. Uh, R- Rika is is one of the messages, and Rika writes, "Please make sure to completely shower Amber with the love of us shy and nerdy queers to whom oh. Tara and Amber's." wonderful embodiment of her mean the absolute world this performance is such a rare televisual gem even today oh, i wish i could give rika a big hug <laughs> virtual hugs virtual yes. hugs to everyone we feel it we feel it um but thank you amber hey folks i'm yen and I'm Nat. And we're the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. Comic Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me. And people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them. What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them. What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to. You're welcome. The reason for that is that every episode, I make Nat read one of my favorite comics, like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer. And then he tells me what makes that comic so special. And then I hear what Nat thinks and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now. With new episodes every two weeks. Wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last season. Nat, there will forever be more comic than you will ever know. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds profound, though. Right?